RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights. And a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to an early week edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Loy, joined by my co-host, Justin Watson. And we are coming to you, uh, we're debuting on a Wednesday this week. Uh, twofold, of course, we've got two events going on this week with UFC at Fight Island uh, going down Wednesday and Saturday night. So, uh, you know, we wanted to get this out to you before then. And second, I don't want to be recording when we typically would be watching this event Wednesday. So uh, that's a little selfish on my end as well. Justin, uh, we're going to get into a recap of UFC 251, the pay-per-view that went down this past Saturday. And then we'll uh, do some uh, preview action of the two cards this week. Uh, how, uh, how have you been? How was your week? Pretty good, man. We, uh, I don't know if you guys have been up, uh, the outdoor one, but we went up there today, man. That's, uh, that place is pretty wild. They do it together in like seven months and it's insane. The Soaky Mountain, uh, Splash Park, the, uh, is a new yep. addition, uh, in Sevierville. Uh, you know, we are near the Smoky Mountain tourist areas of Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg and in the midst of this pandemic, a new water park, a new water kingdom, if you will, has arisen, and it looks pretty impressive from the road. I got to say, I mean, I'm excited to check it out. So it was pretty good. Yeah, man, the kids had a blast, and uh, I think already, I mean, it feels already like it's bigger than you know the one we had, but um, they're still going to expand on it a couple more times. It'll be it'll be crazy when it's done. And they got booze there too, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> let's get into it, my man. Round one. Let's uh, let's go. We got uh, a recap of this past weekend's UFC 251 on pay per view. It was a stacked card, uh, as they so fondly uh, like to remind us. It was uh, it was uh, the one of the biggest single event pay per view uh, buys that they've had. Um, eclipsed only by the UFC 229, which was um, a couple years back with the uh, Khabib and Connor fight. And this one had 1.3 million buys. So definitely a, uh, a success uh, on that end as far as the pay-per-view buys go. And I thought the card delivered, man. It was it was solid. Let's get going with the, the main event, the, 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 the big one for this one. Uh, originally slated to be a uh, welterweight champion, uh, Kamaru Usman de- uh, defending against against uh, Gilbert Burns. And Gilbert Burns uh, test positive for COVID, and then they bring in uh, uh, Jorge Masvidal on just uh, very short notice, you know, uh, to to save this fight. You know, uh, Masvidal, there was talk that he, you know, hadn't been training. I, I believe he, he very much was training. And if anything, I thought Usman, you know, had been preparing for uh, Gilbert Burns, very different style, while Masvidal, even though it wasn't official, you know, he's had Usman on his mind, uh, you know, in the lead up to to this fight so uh, i didn't really buy into too much of the, him not having enough preparation ultimately uzman gets a uh, you know a, a fairly clear-cut unanimous decision uh five to nothing on two cards uh four to one on the third card not the most aesthetically pleasing fight a lot of uh 
Usman uh, doing what he does, you know, controlling the clinch, uh, just kind of wearing on Masvidal, uh, foot stomps and shoulder shrugs, and uh, you know, not not a, not extremely exciting, but very effective. You know, I thought Masvidal was effective whenever he had space to be. You know, when they were uh, when they were spaced out enough to where he could, you know, let let his strikes go, he was dangerous. But uh, Usman just didn't give him much of that, especially after the first round. The first round, I thought. You know, uh, Masvidal did pretty good, but after that, it was it was all Usman. Um, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, Usman racked up the, the total strikes. Um, you know, with those foot stomps and shoulder shoulder bumps, but um, ultimately, like you said, he just holding him against the cage. He went five for sixteen on the takedown. So I think um, you know Masvidal's takedown defense held up pretty well. Um, you know, all things considered, I mean, the way that that Kamar normally uh, is able to to take you down at will and and do what he wants. He he wasn't able to do it as well as most people thought he was going to with with Jorge. But um, yeah, I, I don't think that the camp had much to do to do with it. I think that's pretty much how this fight goes, ninety nine out of a hundred times. Um, and then you know one out of a hundred Masvidal catches him in a you know in, in a submission or um, gets a clean knockout, but. Uh, Kamaru Usman's good man, and um, you know he's just too big, too strong for Jorge. I think you know they've talked about doing a rematch, but I mean I don't, I don't see how it goes any better uh, for George unless unless he just lands something crazy, you know. Do you think that that is a rematch that we will see, or do you think it's something that uh, you know? I for, for for starters, I think that Masvidal kind of you know he he's caught on to the business end of this thing. You know, he's definitely knows how to market himself now. He's become a bit of a star. I think that he is very very much a, a key factor in this big. Uh, big buy rate that they that they uh, did on the pay per view, uh, you know. So he, I don't think it's one of those situations where he's like too upset that he lost at all. I'm sure he he got paid very well. Uh, he's negotiated uh, himself into a, a good position where he's getting paid what he feels like he's worth. And uh, you know, he's lost plenty of fights before, so it's not like he, you know, he's lost his undefeated record or anything like that. Yeah. Um- I, I don't really think that the rematch happens mostly because, you know, now, like you said, he is, he has put his, his name in that huge money fight. Um, I think that there's too many guys right there um, that pose a big problem for him. You know, he, he's going to have to win a couple of fights. They don't do an immediate rematch for sure. There's, there's, they have to get Gilbert Burns out of the way. Um, and I think that, you know, I don't remember what the buy rate was for uh, Usman uh, Covington, but, you know, that was a much more competitive fight. Um, so if we're going to do rematches, I think that's where, where that one should go. Um, but it, it would be very hard for, for George to put together, you know, string together. He would have to string together at least two or three wins in order to get there. And I, I just don't know um, how likely that is with the caliber of opponent he's going to have to face, you know, being such a big star. The only way that he gets an easy fight really is, is Nate. And I don't think anybody really – wants that um that's you know probably the best stylistic fight for him um but if he has to fight you know leon edwards or colby or uh any of those other guys i mean he's in for another really really tough fight i think he's you know a seasoned veteran and he can do it but he is getting older in the tooth and um and if he does it you know the other the other end of that stick is that uh, kamara has to retain that belt for it to happen so kamara has a huge test coming up i think with burns 
Um, and so I think for both of those things to happen, for for George to string together a couple of big wins uh, and Usman still have the belt at that time, I just think that it's not super likely that we see it again. Um, but I think that he was a major, major factor in the buy rate going up. A lot of people that I heard talking were saying, you know, three or 400,000 is what they were, were thinking that George was going to add to the, uh, to the total. But um, nobody thought that, that he was going to add that much. I think, you know, without George on there, I think most people were pinning it at, you know, four or 500,000 buys. Um, maybe not taking into account that it's the only thing happening right now, but, um, but, you know, that was, uh, that was how he surpassed, uh, when the numbers came in. Co-main event. This is where most of the controversy for the evening came in. There was a little bit of controversy when it came to the judges scorecards on a few fights. This one most uh, definitely got the most uh, people talking, I think, on social media, though. It was uh, Alexander Volkanovsky in a rematch against former champion Max Holloway for the featherweight championship. And uh, this fight, you know, a lot of people thought Max Holloway did enough to win. I, I, you know, I think the kind of the prevailing argument I've seen is that a lot of people had Max Holloway winning the first three rounds and then Volkanovsky winning the last two rounds. I thought Max looked really good. I thought uh, he made the adjustments from the first fight, fought a different fight, kept uh, you know kept the center, uh, pressed forward. To me, it felt like he landed the more telling blows. Uh, whereas Volkanovski kind of fought the same uh, as he as he did the first time that they fought. Didn't really make a lot of adjustments. Ultimately, though, it was a split decision in favor of Volkanovski. Uh, it was 48-47 uh, uh, on all the cards, but two of the three were for Volkanovski. So, you know, it comes down to one judge seeing one round differently um, and you have a different winner there. Now, as I was watching that fight, I felt like Max was winning. Now, that said, I had my money on Max and I had him heavy on my DK. And so, like, I wanted to see him win, you know, so I was I was hoping that was the case. It felt to me like he had the more telling blows he was coming forward. But as I'm keeping up with UFCstats.com throughout round to round to kind of see how I'm doing on my DK and things like that, the numbers are not, you know, I know that you can't just rely on the numbers for everything. You know, you do judging and uh, not all strikes are created equal, uh, if you will. But, you know, here's the round by round comparison for um, for strikes landed. Uh, between Volkanovski and Holloway. In the first round, it was tied, 19-19. Second round, 22-21 uh, to 21 Volkanovski. Round three, 25-15 Volkanovski. Round four, 34-24 Volkanovski. Round five, 37-23 Volkanovski. Max didn't outland him in any round. I was shocked to see that. And as I was watching the fight and watching these numbers, I was like, well, shit, like, I think Max is winning, but these numbers are saying something different. So I was not shocked. Uh, when it went the other way. At the end of the day, uh, Volkanovski outlanded him by 35. Now, uh, you know, there were some takedowns involved um, in this. Um, uh, Alexander also got three takedowns. Uh, and so I just felt like the bigger strikes, it, the more telling strikes that were like dropping him were landed by Max. But, you know, when you go back and you look at the numbers, I can't say anybody got robbed. What about you? Yeah, you kind of took the words out of my mouth. I mean, uh, after round three, you know, going into four, I thought Volkanovski needed to finish. Um, you know, like you said, Max was landing the more the more telling shots. I think you know Volkanovski was landing more leg kicks that were uh, kind of toe to the to the thigh or toe to the calf, 
Uh, they weren't really doing much. Max was kind of getting out of the way of them, um, you know, but uh, they were still still landing a little bit, but I don't think they were doing much damage. <clears throat> and and Max was, you know, picking his shots pretty well. Um, he could have been a little bit more accurate, but uh, he was landing, you know, big shots. And uh, I think he made the, the adjustments that he needed. Um, the wild thing about the judges' scorecards was, like you said, pretty much everybody that I talked to or, or, or I've heard talk about it is saying, you know, Max got one through three. Uh, Volkanovski took five or four and five, but the judges had all three judges had one and two for Max, three and four for Volkanovski. The difference was in the fifth round. One judge had the fifth round for Max, um, and so that was kind of weird. I mean, I, don't, I haven't really, I, I haven't watched the fight back. I only watched it the one time. But like I said, I thought that Max had the third round, and pretty, pretty much unanimously, everybody else has said the same thing. Um, so that would have you know, definitely um, need to go back and watch it and see maybe it was just my, my bias looking at it a little bit and the damage that he had caused in round one and two um, still playing in my head a little bit. Uh, but like you said, you know, the numbers definitely don't tell the story of what you were watching in the fight. It was, um, it, it looked like it was going Max's way to me. And then uh, Volkanovski made some adjustments and, and made the fight better. The takedowns didn't do a whole lot. You know, he didn't do much with them, but um, he got him when he needed him, and uh, man, it sucks that, that we're. It's gonna be tough to build another fight between these two, but you know, right now I feel like I feel like the same thing kind of happened in the last fight, but vice versa. I think that in the last fight, I feel like you know Volkanovski won the first two. I thought Max won the last three. Um, I think the majority of the judges had Max in the second two, but um, and that you know I think it kind of flip flopped. You know, Volkanovski came back, but. Um, I, I just, I think there, we still got, even though we've seen 50 minutes of these guys in there together, I think we still got 25 more to go. Um, I'd like to, I would have liked to have seen Max win this one, um, for that, if nothing else. I'll agree with you there. I think that, uh, you know, that's, this is one of those fights where, uh, you know, usually I'm not really a proponent of seeing a third fight if one guy's up two to nothing, but I think that these have been close enough. You know, to warrant that third battle, uh, Volkanovski didn't seem too interested in that. Uh, it seemed like after, after no. I thought he had kind of closed the chapter on it. So we'll see what comes of it, man. Uh, I was heavy on Max Holloway on my lineups, and um, I still cashed. I still crossed the cash line, even in the million dollar game. But I just uh, um, that that right there, those extra thirty points and uh, another thirty points we're going to talk about in the prelims uh, would have made a difference in me cashing like really good. Uh, let's see. The third leg of this title trilogy, if you will, was for the vacant bantamweight championship vacated by Henry Cejudo, and it was Peter Yan taking on uh, Jose Aldo. And uh, I was heavy on Yan. I actually had a, a real big parlay with Yan and Usman. That you know, that's that was like my biggest. That was the heaviest. I was on the whole weekend. And as we got closer to it, I started like second guessing myself. I was like, man, what if Aldo's just like way bigger? And, you know, he, what if he's just like just too good? What if he's just, you know, been too battle tested? And so I was starting to doubt myself. And I was really doubting myself come the third round when uh, Aldo was just like working the body and the leg kicks and just mixing it up and looking just great. But then things started to turn in the championship rounds. I think Jan had kind of planned it that way. He kind of cruised through the first little bit, let Aldo burn and then turn it on and got a fifth round TKO stoppage. 
Um, a lot of people were thinking that Aldo took a lot of unnecessary damage there. He was down early um, and then took what was ended up being a total of, uh, looks like, uh, let's see, well, 194 total strikes landed by Jan over the course of the fight, but that fifth round, 62 to 1. And uh, most of that time was Aldo spent kind of just turtled up, really not offering much resistance. I guess the referee maybe, um, you know, was giving him credit for being Aldo, um, maybe, you know, but I felt like that one went a good probably I'd say a good 20, 25 punches too long. Um, and I bet that we would, the fight would end inside the distance. So I was even doubly mad when it was like a minute, uh, minute and a half to go in the fight when they finally, uh, or no, I'm sorry. I, I had under four and a half. That's what it was, uh, under four and a half rounds. So like I, I missed it by like a minute. Uh, so right at that halfway point, I'm, cur- I'm cursing at my TV. Stop the fucking fight. <laughs> you know, we had every reason to, I think, uh, so Peter Yawn, man, really impressive, and uh, you you wanted him on your lineups because he he just uh, really racked up a whole lot of damn points for you. Um, now I guess we'll see Peter Yawn and Aljamain Sterling next. I guess it sounds like. Uh, what do you think on this one? Yeah, yeah, going yeah. yeah. into the fifth round, I think that um, it could have very well. I haven't seen what the scorecard said, but I think it could have been you know two to two going into the fifth round. Um, but we all miss him very, very much going the other way. Yeah, and yeah, he 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 turned it up, uh, you know, hardcore in the fifth round. He, he landed a shot in the third or fourth round, I think. To um, when Aldo was down, he hit him in the liver super hard, and Aldo like you know kind of went into the fetal position. And I thought, okay, here we go. You know, he's going to take him out of here now. But even when the finish happened, it was a ton of unanswered strikes. I kept kind of thinking the same thing, except, you know, when the referee said move, that's what he did. It wasn't, he wasn't doing anything to, to necessarily defend himself, but the referee said move or I'm going to stop the fight, and he would start moving a little bit, you know. And I don't know. I think it's tough. It's a tough call on, on uh, you know, when to stop the fight and when not to. I think it definitely went a little bit too long. He, you know, it's his job to to realize there is no coming back from this spot, I think. Um, but uh, I didn't, it was loud where I was at. I didn't even see what Aldo looked like afterwards. If he, if he kind of, if he was happy with the stoppage or not, but um, ultimately at the end of the day, you know, Peter Yon just took out a, a big, big name. Um, and, and now he's got another, another test in front of him. And like you said, now Joe and, uh, it's going to be a, a definitely, I think it'll definitely be a different fight for this one. I want to give a stat correction here. Our man on the spot, Jason Floyd, lets me know he actually threw uh, 120 strikes and landed 113 of them in that fifth round. 113 strikes in the fifth round. Uh, yeah, I think it was 111 incredible. unanswered. Yeah, that's crazy talk. You know, yeah. and if you, you know, I guess if you got yawn on DK, you're just like, yep, yeah, we're, we're racking up now, you know. But yeah, you hate to see Aldo take damage like that at the same time. Uh, so, um, you know, we ended up having um, this be the only new title holder, I guess, you know, out of three title fights. This was our, you know, and we knew that we'd get a new title holder since it was vacant. Um, moving on to the next bout on the main card, this is another rematch. It was Jessica Andrade taking on Rose Namajunas. 
And uh, the last time out, you know, Andraj dropped her title to Wiley Zhang uh, with a quick knockout. And I think that had a lot of people kind of down on her on this. I was on Andraj at, you know, plus 200 or near it. Um, I thought, you know, those were great odds. I had her on DK some too. Um, and then uh, Nami Yunus, you know, the last time out, she her last fight was uh, the first fight between these two, and she got knocked out on the slam. So, you know, as Jeff Hobbs was saying last week, you never really know what Rose is going to show up. She's one that just always seems like she's got some kind of some drama going on or something that's, you know, in her head. And so you just really don't know what you're going to get, but she, she looked good here. Uh, you know, first two rounds were, uh, were her, I thought, uh, third round, uh, Andras really started coming on and she bloodied her up, you know, she, she was hitting her hard. She had her, she had her beat up and, um, you know, she, she had a takedown as well. Um, but the first two rounds, I guess, uh, were, you know, Rose had already kind of banked, and uh, ends up getting a split decision, I guess. Yeah, that was a split decision. So, so one judge did give it to Andraj. Uh, and now uh, Thug Rose is, uh, you know, are we going to see her uh, going for the title now? Or uh, do we, you think we get a, a trilogy here? Um, I think it's the title. I mean, you know, but the first fight, the first fight was very similar to the first and second round where Rose was picking her apart and it just, you know, looking at the result of that fight is is in no way the tale of how that fight went. You know, it was a, a very small portion of the fight that just happened to be very devastating. You know, but <laughs> um, I don't think it was super. The first one was was not as competitive as this one. Um, and but Rose is just so technical, man. She's a surgeon out there with her striking and um, her precision and and speed, her footwork, head movement is is as good as you're going to find, you know, and, um, I was watching with some people that, you know, aren't too familiar with, uh, the sport. And I mean, they were all just kind of in awe of her because you don't have to really know much about what you're watching when you see what she does in the first, you know, especially in the first round. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think, uh, I think she's, she's going for Wally Zhang or Zhang, Zhang Weili, whatever it is yeah. next. Um, she took a big shot. She she may have uh, need a little time off. Um, she may have cracked that orbital. I'm not sure, but uh, I think it's going to be a crazy fight, man. You know, uh, uh, you know, we've seen Rose and uh, and Joanna twice, um, and and in kind of the consensus fight of the year so far is Joanna and and Lee. So. Um, I think if that's any sign of, of what we're going to see in, in the fight between the two, that's uh, a good thing. Well, I agree with you there. Here's what here's my thing. You know, the and you're right. You know, uh, Joanna and and, uh, and Zhang the first time was just an absolute fucking war. You know, just a battle of attrition. And and Zhang came out on top in a very gritty, grueling battle. So it, one uh, tends to assume that she's, you know, that shows that she's got that heart. She's got that moxie. She's going to fight through that. Do you think Rose uh, in found in that kind of circumstance and that type of five rounds just absolute, you know, rock em, sock em, you know, dig all the way down deep? you think she's got that? Um, I think that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, where it kind of just depends on the night. I think that, that we've seen nights where she did. And we've seen nights where she might not, um, but I don't know that I don't know that 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 kind of fight can be imposed on her necessarily. 
Um, I don't know that I think her footwork and, and um, her standup may be good enough to, to, you know, keep her from getting battered up like that and getting into a position where she has to dig, dig super deep. Mm-hmm. Well, we just saw her get blasted the other day. I mean, that, that's the thing, you know, it only takes one or two good ones to the right spot. And, um, but I think that on the right day, I think that the Rose will can, can go through anything and, um, you know, she'll, she'll go to the end, but I also agree that, you know, if, if things are playing out exactly the way that they should for her, um, you know, that seems to have a, a big, a big effect on her too. So Opening I don't up. know. Oh, I yeah, think it's ahead. a great fight either way, uh, either way though. Opening up the main card, it was our, uh, uh another female fight as, uh, Amanda Hebus makes the uh, jump from 115 to 125 to uh, to job out Paige Van Zandt. Uh, yeah, they sent old Paige in there with uh, nobody giving her much of a chance. You know, she hadn't fought in a year. Uh, this is the last fight on her contract. She'd been vocal about, uh, you know, wanting more money and how she's going to test free agency. And so I feel like they just threw her right to the damn wolves here. You know, Hebus is a girl. And maybe, is it, maybe it's Rebus. But uh, anyway, um, you know, I like her. She, you know, A, she's a really good-looking girl. B, she's got, like, like, you know, just bubbling over with excitement. You know, she's, like, super stoked and just super, uh, you know, just very high energy. And I think that that is going to be your next uh, girl that they're really trying to to push up uh, as a contender, you know. Uh, and they, they made Paige, uh, you know, just pretty much be the name for her to not, you know, she Paige obviously has a good name. But, you know, coming into this, uh, a little bit of a, a size advantage potentially. I thought that may make things not necessarily where Paige, you know, wins, but maybe survives. But no, she didn't survive. She got submitted with an arm bar. Round one, 221. And uh, afterward, Dana was kind of was like, yeah, I think, uh, you know, she she probably should explore free agency. So I would expect we see her in Bellator uh, next with her boyfriend, Austin Vanderford. And, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if I'm getting a call trying to find her first opponent. Uh, let's uh, what, what did, what'd you think about this one? Yeah, so it is he boss. She's from she's from Brazil, so uh, I think they pronounce it he boss. But um, man, I took Paige on the books because she was such a massive oh yeah dog and yeah there, you, you know, couldn't play you couldn't play Amanda at minus seven hundred to minus yeah. hundred. No, nah, it was either it was it was dog or no play, and I mean I, I don't know I I still think that you know. Under the right circumstances, at the right time, I would still bet on Paige because it could out, it could happen, you know. And at those odds, it's hard to pass up. But um, Hebos is is she's she's uh, something to deal with, you know, at flyweight, um, and she's that's not at her weight class, you know. She's gonna be fighting down from that. So in the weight in, in her division at strawweight, she's the talent's not as uh, you know as deep, I think, um, but. She's gonna be a mess, to, a mess for some people. Paige, you know, it's. Uh, I think it's one of those fights where she may not have, she may have thought Hebus was a little bit overrated, and it was a, an opportunity to, if I beat this girl who is, you know, hype trained, then it puts me in a great position to renegotiate. Sure. I don't think that was ever what she wanted to do, but but gives her more uh, market value as she goes, you know, tries to go over to Bellator. Um, 
but it, it couldn't have played out worse. I mean, obviously <laughs> that was that was fucking worst case scenario. Um, and it, it's going to be tough for her, man. She's, uh, she's super marketable. I think Bellator will overpay for somebody like that and, um, she'll get a few fights, but she's, she's also one of those people that, you know, people are going to be coming to make a name off of her. So, you know, she gets matched up with just the right person. She can, you know, fight in Bellator a little bit and, and, you know, maybe make a little bit of a name, but. You know, especially if they throw her in there with somebody in the beginning just to get her a win and and pick the right person, it could be um it could could be another worst case scenario for her. It wouldn't surprise me though if they if they throw her into a title fight right away just because, you know, Alima Lay McFarland is their is kinda of one of their their uh diamonds right now, you know, and she has a big market behind her that, that I think they'd like to capitalize on, and that, that fight would be massive in Hawaii. Um, it would be a big one. I've got to agree with you, but, man, talk about – uh, you blow but, your nut on it on the very first fight? You know, I don't know if you want to you, yeah. you go, you know, personally, the promoter in me says, let's build that, you know, let's build it into the fight that it can yeah. be. But then at the same time, you run the risk of, of Paige dropping the ball <laughs> between uh, exactly. between men and there, and uh, and maybe losing, and then just derailing the whole motherfucker. Yeah, that's that's why I, I, that's why I say I wouldn't doubt it if they throw her in there because if you put her in there with the wrong person, you know it doesn't matter what. Even if if she's supposed to be, a, you know, the favorite, we've seen a hundred times where you know somebody's. Uh, goes in with with a lesser opponent, you know, and tries to get built like that. They overlook them. The opponent is as hungry as can be, and then take take advantage of the situation, and then it throws the whole deal off, you know. So then they overpay for Paige, and she gets beat by somebody that should never beat her. Then they've really, you know, blown the wad. But um, if she could even have a remotely competitive fight with Lee Millie McFarland, then they can get a couple of decent fights out of her at least you know if they signed her to a three-fight deal and she fought you know a close fight with lee malay give her a rematch with beck rawlings that would would do good numbers and then you've only got one more fight on her contract and, and you know and she's she's paid for herself um but i think you gotta be i think you have to be really careful uh the way you match her up in the first in the first fight undercard was uh you know this was uh it was i thought it was an interesting undercard because you had a you know it's very international as it's going to be the theme for all these cards i think um you know the the headliner on the prelims it was the ufc debut of jiri prochaska uh czech fighter uh, who's fought in ryzen you know for the past several years uh taking on volkan ozdemir and uh, i was on ozdemir here and i was on the wrong side i knew that prochaska was dangerous but i just thought that ozdemir would be just a step up from you know the, the competition he's been beating in japan uh but no yeah uh prochaska he's he's an interesting one man he a he's a just a swole beast just a, a specimen of a man and then like his style is very um it's it's very odd you know he keeps his hands down he's he throws big punches uh there's he's just, he's gonna he's there to be hit 
but he's going to to deliver some big power. I thought Osnewer did pretty well in the first round. Second round, uh, he ends up uh, you know taking uh, taking a kick and then swarmed on with with punches. It's a second round knockout in 49 seconds of the second round. Prochaska gets the win, and I think that uh, he's a guy stylistically fans are going to like to see. It's some uh, some much needed new blood in the light heavyweight division. That's going to be an entertaining fighter. I like to see him and Kudalabra go. <laughs> that would be a fun one, um, ma'am. The, the thing of it is, he I had him pretty big on the night, but he scared the shit out of me with his hands down. I mean, he got clipped. A few oh, times. yeah, he, got, he, definitely, he was hurt a couple times. Yeah, he was definitely the better fighter. I think I think on the thesis, he was the better fighter for sure. Um, but you, you just can't take shots like that from from that caliber opponent, you know. And going up, you know, if, if you're, you're not going to eat a shot like that from Reyes. You know, you're right. not going to eat shots like that from Don Jones. And um, I think that that is... You know, it worked out for him this time. Um, definitely got him some some fans. I think. I think he got got some eyes on him. Uh, but as he, I think, it, I, I don't know. I, it was a crazy way to fight Vulcan. Vulcan's a, a good technical fighter, a good striker, and just to to take that kind of risk in your first fight was wild to me. Um, but he he can't take shots like that and keep going. Um, he's gonna have to tighten up the defense a little bit. And if he does, man, he's going to be a problem. Uh, I'm not sure how his ground game is. I haven't. I don't, I'm not. I don't have a super extensive uh, history uh, following him. But um, you know, I know that uh, in the stand-up department, man, he's a he's a beast. If he if he can if he can not get hit. Before that, we had a split decision, and this one hurt me the worst of the whole night. Uh, Muslim Salikov with a split decision win over Elizu uh, Zaleski. Um, one judge had it uh, two to one Zaleski. One judge had it two to one Salikov, and one judge had it three to nothing Salikov. And that one, I I don't know how that. Well, I I, I, I don't see that. Uh, <laughs> this one I thought was going to be a lot of fun, and it, it was pretty good. It was still a pretty good fight, but I thought this was going to be just this display of crazy uh kung fu versus capoeira and it just you know we they were ended up being more tentative i guess respectful of each other's abilities uh to the point where they didn't throw near what i thought they would throw but uh i thought zaleski got the win there uh too close for me to bitch too much but you know if they give zaleski uh if the other judge gives zaleski that round and i get the round from holloway that's like 60 more points and i'm up there uh, winning four digits this weekend. And so, uh, yeah, it's gambling for you, though, right? Um, before that, it was uh, your play of the week, Makwan Amirkani, uh, with a, an anaconda choke in the first round, three minutes, 15 seconds over Danny Hendry. Uh, that was just, you know, yeah, quick and elementary, man. It didn't, you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't very long. I, I thought that, uh, you know, Amirkani didn't, Amirkani didn't look great at the weigh-in, so I thought that maybe, Henry, to me, Henry looked like he was, like, bigger and more strapping, and I, I figured maybe for the first round, uh, Henry May could, could catch him, or if he could, he could last later, and, and Amirkani uh, would maybe fade, but no, nah, he looked really good here. And then uh, before that, it was Leonardo Santos uh, earning uh, every dollar of his paycheck against Roman Bogatov. And, oh, man, that was a, just a foul-filled fight, man. Uh, Bogatov, uh, he had a finger in the eye to Santos. He had uh, two low blows and then a very measured illegal knee to the head while grounded. Um, 
I thought for sure that we would get a disqualification win for Santos, which I would have loved uh, because that would have gotten my stoppage and my under two and a half rounds. But Bags let it keep going, and the referee ended up taking two points, which was the least he should have done at this point because Santos was feeling this shit. I mean, he was fucked up. Uh, Bogotov was like just fucking him up with this with his illegal shit. And so uh, I was worried at the end he might get clipped and lose the damn fight because he was just so drained. Uh, your thoughts on the main slate of prelims? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's dangerous to keep going after that, you know, because like you say, you 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 know take a take a blatant illegal shot. Um, and I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he had the opportunity to to just stop it or not, but. I see, you know, I've seen a couple of times where there's where there's real bad fouls like that. We saw Diego Sanchez, you know, where he he said, "I don't want to fight anymore," and he won the fight. And had he come back out there, he would have gotten knocked out. There's no question about it. He was already losing the fight. Um, but when you're already winning the fight and that happens, you know, I don't know. It would it would have been would have been terrible if he would have gotten knocked out because he was already wobbled. But uh, but he got he got got the job done. So. Uh, good, good on him. I uh, thought Americani looked great too. You know that he got that anaconda in deep, and there was nowhere to go. Uh, Danny Henry was laying there out cold for a little while, and um, then I, I'm I'm with you on the the Zelensky and Soko. I, I don't know how you get dropped twice and get <laughs> all three rent. You know, it just doesn't right. doesn't add up. But um, but yeah, I don't know the. Uh, there was a lot of criticism uh, from the from the media and and Dana White even uh, you know afterwards uh, on the judging. So I don't know what they'll do about. It. I don't know how that you know are they going to fly? If, if you know if you got a couple of bad judges, are you going to fly in new judges and go through the quarantining and all that stuff, or are you just stuck with them? Or do they already have you know a different set of judges for each fight? I don't know how that's all set up, but um, I guess we'll find out. The early prelims uh, were, was headlined by um, uh, Marcin Tybura with a, uh, a very lackluster, as far as excitement goes, it was dominating, a uh, unanimous decision, uh, three rounds to nothing on all the cards with a 10-8 on one of them over uh, late replacement Maxime Grishin, who was, uh, you know, in, in on like a week's notice on this fight, maybe less. And, uh, you know, he's moving up in weight, typically a 205 fighter. You can see the difference in size. And Tapiera pretty much just took him down every round and just, you know, stayed on him. Nothing to see here. Uh, Julian Paiva with a another uh, another one that I thought that could have gone the other way. Uh, unanimous decision win, though. Three, uh, all three judges had a 2-1 over Zalgas Zamagulov. Paiva, he missed uh, he missed weight on this one as well. Um, and then we had Carol Rosa with a pretty uninspiring uh, unanimous decision win. All three rounds go to her over Vanessa Mello. I kind of zoned out a little bit on that one. And then we started the night off with an upset as Davey Grant uh, comes back from being dropped early to get a third-round knockout over Martin Day. And uh, I was on Davy Grant. I was happy to get him at like plus 140. Uh, I thought that if anything, he would find a way to submit him. I probably wouldn't have called him knocking him out. Your thoughts on the early portion? Yeah, Davy Grant got me started off uh, in the right spot. But, uh, you know, he, he's, he's killing it today for sure. Um, even though he got the win, he, he took some damage there. So, um, But I think it was a big, big win for him. Um, you know, and... 
we'll, we'll get to see him back soon. You know, he's come off a lot of injuries and stuff and just had a, a little difficult time getting, getting the right fights and everything, but uh, hopefully he'll get on a little better path and uh, get some big wins. I think he's got a lot of talent. Um, the girls was a good fight, man. I think it just kind of, you know, came, I, I think Mello was tough. No, that wasn't necessarily a good fight, but Mello was just tough. I think it's basically, you know, she just got outstruck um, everywhere that it went. Rosa was just, you know, picking her apart and, um, you know, but uh, Mello was tough, stayed in there and, you know, showed that, that she's, she's not no punk, I guess. Um, <laughs> and I, I was, I was, I was impressed with uh, Zoom Gulov. You know, I think I thought that he was losing the fight, man, but he was he was coming forth the whole time. Um, and, you know, he outstruck, you know, by the numbers, he outstruck Paiva. And uh, I didn't didn't think that watching the fight. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't paying attention as good as I should have been early in the night. But, um, you know, he had a couple takedowns and, um, you know, they weren't weren't that substantial, I guess. You know, when you when you land two of 11, it's um doesn't mean mean as much as, as if you land two out of three, but um, it was a good fight. I, I, I like both those guys. I think they've they both got um, a future in, in this flyweight division if it sticks around. And that'll do it for our recap and reactions from UFC 251. Overall, I thought it was good. I thought that uh, they did a good job of the production. It, it made me feel like I was watching a big event. I felt like, when, especially on the main card, I, I didn't – it didn't it wasn't like beating over my head that there were no fans there if that makes sense you know like i knew there were no fans there but it did it wasn't it didn't like it wasn't glaring if that, if that makes sense you know to me i felt like they produced it produced it like a big event what do you think about the overall event production etc yeah i thought it was great um i haven't heard any complaints you know last time they were there they were talking about it being super hot and stuff like that but everything that that i've heard from the media coming out of there sounds like um like you know it was felt good in there and uh so it seems like they're being taken care of really well you know um i think the the island is, is happy to have them um doing this there and you know they've, they've sectioned off this area for them it seems like they're, they're taking care of them really well and you know that was only the first one it's kind of like we you know when uh when they got to vegas it kept getting better every week and um, I think it'll be the same way there, you know, by the end of this thing, by, by the last fight of this, uh, I think, I think it'll be, uh, you know, they'll have it down pretty well. Um, and I don't know if they're going to be at this arena when they, they're talking about coming back in September, um, I guess, and doing another big pay-per-view, but, um, if so, I, I would expect that to be a, a massive card and, and they'll be, you know, really have it ready to go by then. All right, let's move on to our second segment now. That's going to be a preview for tonight's uh, UFC on ESPN uh, card. And this is a midweek offering. It's always nice to get a, a fight card in the middle of the week to kind of give us a little buffer between Saturdays. And uh, some of the fights, first off, let's go to some of the fights that aren't happening. It, it, they've lost a couple of the you know more marquee fights uh, that they had on this one. Originally, we had Carla Esparza and uh, and uh, Marina Rodriguez, and uh, Rodriguez had to had to pull out with a with a COVID situation in her corner. And then, uh, more importantly, Pedro Munoz uh, tested positive for COVID, so his fight against Frankie Edgar in what was going to be Frankie Edgar's bantamweight debut 
and the co-main event of this card, um, that fight is also off. Um, and then uh, lastly, and probably least importantly today, uh, we lost one, the very opening fight, as uh, Jorge Gonzalez was scheduled to face Kenneth Berg. Uh, Gonzalez in on short notice, makes the weight look pretty good. Uh, and Kenneth Berg never even tried to weigh in as he was the medically unfit due to his weight cut. So um, those are the three we lost. Any, uh, any, any of this sadden you, Justin? Um, did they, did they do anything with Frankie or they just, t- they just took Frankie completely out of him? He's yeah, not, he's not, he's, he's not back fighting. Two or finding an opponent or anything. I know well, he's not fighting I this heard, night, but you, you haven't heard. I heard that, uh, I want to say I read somewhere that, re- was it Rivera? Somebody, I want to say as Rivera maybe had offered to, uh, to take that spot. And, uh, and they said that Frankie declined it. So, um. I'm sure we'll see him probably coming up, you know, pretty soon again on, on a card. I was looking forward to that fight um, almost as much as the main event, to tell you the truth. So it's, it's definitely, a, you know, a loss to the card. It certainly is uh, jarring to its overall uh, quality, I think. Yeah, I don't know why I would have turned down the Jimmy Rivera fight. They kind of train in the same region, but I don't, I don't think they, they train together. Um, so I don't know what what his reasoning for turning that down was, but um, that's, that's the only one I really cared, cared to lose, I guess. Yeah. Uh, just looking at uh, looking at the uh, – we'll just start at the bottom here and kind of go uh, as, a, as, a, as a group because a lot of these prelims are, once again, very uh, international. And so, like – you know, uh, we've got some prospects. We've got you know a lot of a lot of European prospects on this card, um, but not a whole lot of recognizable name value. Opening the card, it will be the Welshman Jack Shore looking to stand defeated. He's twelve and zero, looking to looking to make that thirteen and zero against uh, the reemerging Aaron Phillips, who had a brief cup of coffee with the UFC a few years back, didn't win any fights. Went back to the regional scene and beat some regional talent. Um, and now he's back on short notice to replace Anderson Dos Santos, who had the COVID. And he is the biggest underdog on this card. Uh, we've got two low-level uh, flyweights in uh, Liana Jojua uh, taking on a Romanian fighter, uh, Diana Belvita. Man, I don't know nothing about those girls. Uh, not much, anyway. I know that I wasn't very impressed with either one, but I think Belbita in her debut against Molly McCann at least lost and went the distance with a you know a, a reputable you know UFC roster member. Uh, probably my favorite prelim, Jared Flash Gordon goes back down to 145, taking on Chris Fishgold. Those are two uh, once hyped prospects going to battle. I like that fight uh, pretty good. Uh, we've got another uh, late replacement as uh, Andreas Mikolaitis, Greece uh, Greek fighter, will uh, will step in on short notice to replace the Brazilian Vinicius Morea against Modestus Bukowskis. And uh, again, these are two big, two you know they're, they're light heavyweights. They're big hitters. They both are you know powerful guys. I don't have much of a take on it. Uh, we've got Ricardo Hamos. I'm assuming if we make those R's H's. Uh, he is a uh, Brazilian prospect, uh, 14 and two, taking on undefeated British prospect Larone Murphy, uh, and that's featherweight fight. Hamos has had, uh, you know, most of his fights at 135. I feel like so that'll be interesting. 
And then in yet another uh, late replacement rounding out the prelims, it is John Phillips uh, now taking on uh, Kamzat Chimaev, who is only 6-0, and but like a really good wrestler. And like I think he's uh, – it says he's from Sweden, but I think he uh, is like a transplant from, from Russia. And so, uh, you know, if you've watched John Phillips fight, you know, he's just he's uh, he's got heavy hands. He can bang, but just doesn't have a whole lot of answers on the ground. So this is kind of tailor made, I think, for uh, for the uh, short notice replacement uh, Chimaev. But at the same time, it's one of those fights where, you know, in the in the fights, especially in this covid time, like where you've just got one of these kind of. You know, unproven, not a whole lot of fights guy come in on short notice up a weight class, you know, to fight a vet. And I feel like he should get it done. But if he doesn't, then I can only blame myself for falling back into that trap. Any of these uh, any of these prelims stand out to you? Yeah, I like a few of them. Um, I'm looking forward to, to the Jack Shore fight. Uh, I think that kid's got a lot of talent. Um, you know, he, he, gets, he gets you on the ground and gets on you. He's like a backpack. And um, I think half of his wins are by rear naked choke, you know. And uh, if, you're, if you're getting, you know, finishing that many fights by rear naked choke, you're probably dominating the guy um, to get there. Um, Flash Gordon and uh, Chris Fishgold, I think, is going to be a, a good fight. I think both those guys are durable and um, both, you know, looking for a big win. Um, so I think I'm looking for fireworks in that one. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, Ricardo Ramos and, uh, Leroy, Leroy Murphy, Leroy Murphy's a, you know, kind of a knockout guy. Um, only got a couple of decisions on his record and the rest of them are knockouts. And, uh, you know, where Ramos is, is a submission guy and, uh, that's where he's going to be looking to take the fight. So, uh, it's going to be, you know, just come down to who can, who can impose their game plan and, um, Get it, get it to stay where they want it, and uh, look for a finish in that part. If I'm, if I'm honest, um, and then, you know, I, I'm kind of with you uh, on on the uh, John Phillips fight. You know, like I feel like he, he most likely will will just get taken down and and you know ridden to death. But um, you know, he, he he might come out there and just fucking knock shimmy off head off uh, you know you never know what where, where that one's gonna go um so i think they, they probably picked a good spot to put that fight to get get the eyes uh, on the tv before the main card starts yeah that's one of those fights that i at the very least would probably be willing to bet that it doesn't go the distance i think that shimmy is either gonna yeah. get him down and submit him uh you know phillips i don't think probably has the gas tank to go for three rounds and be super competitive, but then Phillips could very well just knock him out as well. You know, um, uh, side note, did you hear uh, that Paul Felder is going to come off commentary to corner Jared Gordon? Yes, I did. I, I think that's awesome, man. Um, I think that speaks a lot to, to Paul Felder's, the, you know, the type of person he is and the class that he has, you know, he's, he, he wasn't going to let his boy go out there and fight uh, alone. And, um, you know, uh, good job for, for the UFC and making it work where he can he can come off the desk for a minute and um, and get that done, man. Main card, 
interesting main card opener. We have got the returning Abdul Razak Al Hassan, who was away for a couple years with some legal issues that he was cleared of uh, recently. So he's able to, you know, avoid prison essentially and get back to the UFC. He'll be taking on the uh, another late replacement, I think, man. Uh, or, or no, it's not a late replacement. I thought it was. It's not. He's taking on the the debuting uh, Arab fighter though in Mornir Lazez, who is nine and one. And, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that is uh, a striker uh, like Al Hassan. You know, we've seen Al Hassan just, you know, crushing power. He, he knocked motherfuckers out. He, he, Nico Price didn't even get through the first minute with him. But, you know, he's been gone for two years. Who knows if he's been able to tra- – if he if he's trained or stayed sharp over those two years with the uh, threat of incarceration uh, staring him down. And, uh, and he missed weight today, uh, or yesterday, I'm sorry. He missed, uh, missed weight on Tuesday with, uh, I want to say he's three pounds over, three or four pounds over. Uh, and he didn't look like... He didn't look like all jacked up and shredded. He looked like he was soft. So this one, you know, he's a big favorite here. And I, you know, rightfully so. There's a good chance he goes out there and just starches Lazez. But uh, I'm not that familiar with uh, Lazez to really know, um, you know, how good he is. It looks like he's a striker, too. But, uh, man, if it goes out of the first round, who knows what Alhassan's gas tank will be. It's hard for me to lay uh, all that chalk on him, given so many unknowns uh, coming into this one. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting. You know, Lazez is, is kind of a, you know, kind of a, he's kind of a specialist. Um, he's got a, a nice highlight reel, and um, he's, he's long. He's going to be, you know, have the reach and the height advantage over Alisson. Um, so, you know, this, this could be a, a fun stand-up fight, man. It could be, could be a highlight reel knockout, you know, from either guy, really. After that, we've got our uh, other female bout on the evening, as it is Meatball Molly McCann, uh, ten and two, British flyweight, uh, coming in uh, to face uh, Taylor uh, Taylor Santos, fifteen and one. She was undefeated up into her into her UFC debut, and she ended up getting stopped by Sarah Mraz, which is not ideal. I don't think it's probably not what they had in mind when they when they booked that fight. But that took a lot of the shine off of her because she's got so many just, you know, uh, can wins uh, over girls that were, you know, just no, girls that were not very good in Brazil. So uh, I'm a little surprised McCann isn't a bigger favorite than she is. Uh, it's, this fight's essentially a pick em. Uh, McCann maybe like minus 120 or something. But I'm on McCann. It's It feels like everything – you know, points to McCann winning. She she's fought much tougher competition. Uh, already uh, has wins in the UFC. Uh, maybe Santos just had an off night. Uh, you know, in her debut. But uh, I'm on McCann. What about you? Yeah, um, I kind of think I'm, I'm, I like McCann a lot, man, and uh, I have a hard time fading her. Fifteen and one's a big record for for a women's flyweight. Um, you know, and and it, it's a, it's a big difference. You know, you're the um the consequences of losing here uh and and the uh the reward that you get for for winning here is is on such a different level uh once you get to the ufc you know you do see it play a big factor in in some fighters um in the beginning and you know that that may have been um the case with santos and we, you you may see her come out here and just be a monster but um, I think Molly McCain is, is pretty proven, uh, and I, I think that uh, you know 
it's pretty safe money there, I think. But I guess <laughs> it's uh, it's never too safe, I guess. Uh, Jason Floyd informs me that the Frankie Edgar and Pedro Munoz fight has been moved to the August pay-per-view card. So we're still going to get to see mm-hmm. that one next month. Um, in Vegas with uh, with Steve Tay in DC. Yeah, that that that's a pretty good addition uh, to that card. Okay, yeah. feature bout of the evening, in my opinion, the you know the people's co-main event. <laughs> it is a featherweight class between two bantamweights, two two typical bantamweights. Uh, Jimmy Rivera taking on Cody Stamen. Now we saw Cody Stamen just like a month ago. Uh, you know, we talked about his brother passing the week before the fight, and he you know he stayed committed to the fight and went out there and had a had a great win over Brian Keller. Man, this is a big step up this time, uh, taking on Jimmy Rivera, who is, uh, you know, one in three in his last four. But that was against, like, the creme de la creme. You know, he lost to uh, uh, Marlon Moraes. You know, he lost to Aljamain Sterling. lost to uh, what, Peter Yan, I think. So, like, he's fighting the the upper echelon, the very elite of the Bantamweight division, and he's losing. However, uh, you know, it's for, you know, not any knock on Stamen. Stamen's a step down from all those guys. Uh, I think this one is two really good wrestlers that will end up, you know, trading on the feet. And, uh, you know, it's no secret Rivera's got those uh, those good uh, leg kicks, calf kicks, uh, you know. And uh, I think I read, actually, even though he's the shorter guy, he has the longer reach. Uh, and then the final thing is, you know, how it's such a quick turnaround and such a big step up in talent for Cody Stamen, you know, after he just had an emotional win, you have to wonder if he can get it back up for this, you know? So, uh, I'm on Rivera here. Um, odds are fairly close. It looks like, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm on Rivera. How about you? I think this is the, they put this fight together to, to fill that, um, that Frankie Edgar loss, I think. And, um, um, I, I guess, well, you said Jimmy stepped up to fight Frankie, and then I know that they added uh, this to replace it. So I guess they brought Cody in. But um, anyway, I, you know, you said Cody's a step down from, from the guys that Rivera has, has lost to. And I guess on paper, he is. Um, but his only loss in the UFC is Aljo. So, you know, uh, I think Stamen is, is a tough, tough night for anybody. Um, you know, I, I think that he's, uh, has a real good shot at, at, at being up there in the top two or three in the world. Um, and getting by Jimmy Rivera is, is going to prove that. I mean, Jimmy is, you know, for a while we, we thought he was going to be the next big thing. And, um, you know, he's, he's as solid as they come, but I think, uh, I think Stamen's going to, going to take this one. Co-main event. Uh, we've got flyweight co-main event, damn it. Uh, Tim Elliott, uh, who just signed a new um, three-fight deal, I think, even though he's lost, uh, I think, two or three in a row. Uh, taking on Ryan Benoit, a guy who hasn't been able to stay very active uh, over the last two years. He's only fought one time, and his last time out, I think he lost that one. Um, this fight is another one that's near a pick of, and I really like Elliot. Like I, and it's rare that I like uh, Tim Elliott because it's just the last time he fought when he was fighting, uh, uh, Roy Vall. I, if you remember, I was real heavy on, I was high on Roy Vall there to pull the upset and he did. Uh, but Tim Elliott is, uh, in my, in this instance, I think we'll just have 
you know, way too many weapons. If it goes to the ground, Tim likely subs him. If he stays standing, it could go either way, I suppose. You know, Benoit does throw heavy hands, but uh, I like Tim Elliott here. And I also heard that he's he's back with glory with James Krause and, it, you know, uh, his teammate, um, uh, Grant will uh, Grant Dawson will be on the Saturday card. So, uh, you know, I'm going to go with Tim Elliott on this one. Felt fairly heavy. Actually, Tim Elliott's going to be like a cornerstone of all my lineups uh, this weekend because he's a mid range price guy. And he's a guy that, you know, if this fight goes the way I think it goes, I think Elliott puts up a hundred plus points. How about you? Yeah. Um, I think he definitely can. Um, and he's a guy that, you know, as, as far as a DraftKings. uh, perspective he's not going to go away he's going to be fighting the whole time he's going to be shooting for takedowns he's going to be trying to advance and um you know he definitely has the potential to score tons and tons of points um i feel like i I like tim elliott a lot uh i like his personality i like the way he fights um but I, i feel like he's lost a lot of confidence over the last little bit um and that's something that that really carried him early you know when he fought dj Nobody gave him a shot in hell, you know, and, and he, he gave DJ a decent run for his money and, um, you know, and, and gave DJ a scare at a time or two. But, um, you know, like you say, I think he's a, he's a super crafty veteran. Um, being, being there with James, uh, is, is going to be, uh, a big deal for him, I think. Um, I think, you know, I think James Krause is, is one of the top coaches out there that's kind of underrated. Um, you know, he's still fighting. So I think that once once he's done done fighting and and focuses on coaching, I think you'll hear a lot more about James Krause as a coach. He has a great relationship with his athletes, and um, I, I think that uh, I think that'll be a big factor. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Tim Elliott. I, I'm afraid that he's gonna lose, you know, not not have his confidence quite there, miss a step here or there, and and catch you know catch a big shot from Benoit. But uh, I think I feel like that's the only way he loses is, is is if he gets knocked out um you know just just slipping somewhere main event one of my favorite fights of the whole uh week even uh i'm excited for this one we've got calvin cater taking on dan ege featherweight main event two guys that are gonna bring the action or i don't see how this fight sucks Calvin Cater coming off a big knockout win over Jeremy Stevens. We know he's just got awesome hands. His accuracy is just, you know, something to behold. <laughs> and I, I've been high on this guy since he since he debuted. And I didn't really know much about him till the first time I saw him fight. And I was like, oh, man, this guy, you know, he's fun. Um, taking on Dan Ige, who had a uh, – he's coming off a decision win over uh, Edson Barboza. So, a big win there. A lot of people didn't think he won that fight. But at the end of the day, you know, they gave him the nod. He, he you know, he's – Enzo Barboza is a big name, you know. Uh, so I feel like Ige is very live here. It's uh, Calvin Cater's minus 300, and it's hard for me to bet against him. And I don't know that I'll have the nerve to bet Ige, uh, honestly, at the end of the day. But I will have Ige on my DK lineups at only $7,100. It really allows you to pay up for other people. And I feel like he is tough enough at the least to make it the five rounds potentially with Cater and maybe even win. How about you? Uh, I feel a little bit different. Um, I, I think that this is a, a handmade fight for Calvin Cater to just to launch into, um, you know, a, a much bigger name. I think that 
it's it's a potential for him to get you know a, a highlight reel type knockout or finish. He's got the, probably the best boxing in the division. Um, you know, Ige that fight with Barbosa was it was impressive that he was able to to fight um, that close of a fight with Barbosa. Um, but you, you know, we're talking about a, a Barbosa that's at the end of his career. He's not the same guy that he was. And even when he was that guy, I don't know that he could beat Calvin Cater. Um, so I think uh, I think Danny Gay is going to have a lot of confidence coming into this fight, and he may pay the price for it, um, being a little too overconfident. Uh, I like Calvin Cater in this fight a lot, and I don't don't really see it going to a decision. All right, that's all the fights for tonight's uh, UFC event. What's your uh, what's your what's your most anticipated? Uh, not not counting the main event because I think that's an easy one. What uh, what fight are you most uh, excited for? Uh, let me look back at prelim just to make sure for, I didn't forget anything. For me, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Jimmy I think Rivera and yeah. Stamen is is a fight that uh, is going to be, uh, you know, it, it could go either way. I, I I do like Rivera there, but I I think it's competitive, and uh, that's a fight that I'm I'm excited for. And then uh, I'm also uh, just curious more than anything, just to see how uh, uh, Razak Al Hassan uh, looks after two years away, because you know when he was fighting regularly, he was starching fools. Yeah, and I mean, like like we've said, you know, that that fight could be, you know, a, a devastating knockout on either side of the fence. I mean, um, it's definitely a fight that you want to tune into. Uh, I think you'll probably get a finish, but if you don't, I think it'll be a, a banger. All right, moving on to our final segment of the evening, and that is uh, the fight night event going on this Saturday. So we get the little double-double action. Saturday night on ESPN Plus, and it is headlined by a main event rematch for the vacant flyweight championship uh, vacated by Henry Cejudo. Uh, we're going to see a rematch between Davis and Figueredo, Joseph Benavidez. Um, you know, the first time out, Figueredo missed weight, so he wasn't eligible for the title. And then um, to further, you know, he ended up winning, but then there was like a little asterisk by it in my mind because I thought Benavidez was doing really well till the uh, clash of heads uh, busted him open, and it, you know the he that the, he started bleeding pretty heavily, and uh, right when he went to like <laughs> wipe the blood from his brow, he got popped with that that big shot. So, you know, I I don't think that we can take a whole lot away from that uh from Benavidez in that first performance. Uh first step for Figueredo is going to be to make weight this time. Uh and hopefully both guys do and we can crown a new champion. And if I'm not mistaken, I think yeah, I could be off here, but didn't Figueredo have like didn't weren't they scared that he like tested positive for COVID maybe like last week or something and then I guess it was like a false positive or something? So apparently he he tested positive a couple months ago and, and had COVID, um, but I guess he didn't tell the UFC about it at all. But um, in Vegas, he, he apparently tested positive. From what I understand, it seems like they're saying it's a false positive that he does have the the antibodies showing that he did have it before and it, that he doesn't have it now. Um, and I, from what I understand, he's he's uh, in Abu Dhabi now. Um, on Yaz Island, but um, the they they already kind of had you know a plan for this anyway because he had missed weight. 
Um, they, they put Pantoja on the card uh, so that he could fill that spot, and we're, we're going to get a title fight either way. But I think that the biggest thing, you know, whether he – if he is clear of COVID, you know, I don't know about all that, but regardless, it's going to be it, – it's going to be – a big factor in his weight cut, I feel like, you know, he is going to be getting Diaz Island with just a few days. I mean, if if he got, I think, I feel like I heard that he left Sunday to go to Diaz Island. So if that's, if I'm right, that means that he's done with his 48 hour quarantine, you know, in time to go to weigh-ins almost. It's, it's like, he's going to have to do his weight cut in his, in his room. Um, I heard from his coaches or something that he was, uh, that he was at like 135 pounds um, midweek last week, maybe or something like that. So, which is like 10 pounds lighter than he was uh, at the same time for the last fight. So, hopefully that's the case, and, and we get you know the fight that we uh, are looking to get here. But um, I, I think in the last fight, uh, I think all the judges had Benavidez winning the fight um, up until the finish, you know, and uh, definitely was controversial uh, and and with the missed weight. Um, you know, it, it warranted this rematch, I think, and uh, definitely feel like this is Joe's last big shot. You know, if he uh, he can't capitalize on this one and, and pull it off, it's probably going to be the end of, of, of big fights for, for Joey. Um, but I think he has all the skills to do it. I mean, I think that if he, if he can protect himself, you know, use his wrestling, use the takedowns and top control um, and, and some big ground and pound, uh, I think he can get Figueredo out of there, um, but you know, I, I feel like a lot of times the the big stage is, um, you know, just just give him a little bit too much, a little little too much of the jitters, uh, and it, it's affecting him in fights. But um, hopefully that's not the case here. I'd, I'd like to see a, a big win for for Joey B. And um, and yeah, like I said, I, I hope we get the fight that we're looking for. But if not, uh, I don't know that we might not have a a crazier fight if Pantoja ends up coming up and, and taking that spot. So uh, I think we, we're going for a good fight either way, though, I think. Co-main event, uh, middleweights. Uh, middleweights coming off losses, essentially, but they're still, uh, you know, mid-ranked mid, mid guys. It's number six, Jack Manson, uh, been on the shelf for nearly a year last time out, lost to Jerry Cannonier, uh, taking on number seven, Kelvin Gastulum who, uh, you know, Kelvin has lost two in a row, but to top-level competition. Last time out, lost a split decision to Darren Till. Before that, unanimous decision loser to Israel Adesanya. No, uh, you know, nothing to hang your head on on either of those uh, those guys. Um, you know, I feel like, to me, this is a little bit of a bounce-back type fight for Gastelum uh, to get a win over a guy that, while he's ranked, you know, and Hermanson's tough. Don't get me wrong. He, he's pretty good. You know, he, he has some good wins himself. Uh, including, uh, you know, both of them have wins over Jacare Souza, but, you know, uh, he, he submitted David Branch at Black Belt, submitted Gerald Mearshar. You know, these are guys with good submission or good good grapplers that he's submitting, but, uh, you know, Gaslam is going to be real hard for him to submit, I think. Gaslam's already only been finished one time, um, and that's been like, you know, three years ago by uh, Chris Weidman. So uh, I think that if this fight goes to a decision, it certainly favors Gaslam. Uh, most likely, uh, and Gastelum only minus one thirty right now. I feel like that's a pretty good price on him. Uh, what do you think about the co-main? What, what do you do? You have the odds pulled up? Uh, he's minus one thirty. What's what is Hermanson in the distance? 
Oh, you'll have to give me a moment on that now. Just a second. I honestly could see that happening, man. Um, I think that Hermanson surprises a lot of people um, with his ability to to catch, you know, catch a neck, and and um, you know, I think Gaslam's going to be giving him opportunities to catch it. Um, Gaslam has almost no neck, so it's going to be tough. But I, I don't know that that Hermanson can't get it done. Uh, he was on on a nice little run. Um, but Kelvin Gaslam is, uh, you know, one of the best in the division and, and has been at the top for a while, you know, because he's durable, he hits hard, he's got great wrestling. Uh, but I, I ultimately feel like Kelvin Gaslam's in the wrong weight class. And, uh, you know, I think Hermanson's going to be big, man. I, I don't know. Um, Hermanson inside the distance is plus 320. I said, I said, uh, her, yeah, Hermanson, Hermanson inside the distance is plus three twenty. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. That that's not a bad bet, man. Um, I, I could definitely see that happening. I might have to take a take a little look at that. But um, if it goes to a decision, I, I think you know it's, it's going to be a pretty dominant performance by Kelvin. Um, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Hermanson can can slip something in, just being. Uh, as tricky as he is, you know. Um, but I think it's a good fight for, for both guys, uh, you know, to, to kind of put themselves back in a, somewhat into the conversation. You know, I think Hermanson was, was, had himself in the conversation before his last loss. And, um, you know, Kelvin, two fights ago, went to a close, close decision with the champion. So, um, you know, a, a win for either one of these guys, I think, is uh, does a lot for him. Um, and a loss is not still not a terrible, terrible thing for either one of these guys. Even though Kelvin's coming off of a couple of losses, it, it's a lot worse for Kelvin if he loses than than for Hermanson. But uh, I think you know Hermanson's a little older, so I don't know. It, it would it would probably um, end his hopes for a title shot before he he gets out of uh, the the age where he can still compete for that. But um, but yeah, I, I think you know. This is two of the. I think this is two steady top ten guys uh, at middleweight going at it, and uh, I think it'll be a, a fight that delivers. All right, feature bout, lightweight action. Mark Diacasi uh, is uh, fourteen and three coming in to face the seven and one uh, Rafael Fiziev, who um, we haven't seen uh, since a win over Alex White. Back in uh, October of last year, uh, Diakasi is a uh, slight favorite, minus 160, and uh, has a couple wins in a row uh, for himself. He's got a win over uh, Joe Duffy, and then after that, he uh, he also knocked off Lando Banata. So, um, you know, I, I know that Fizia is supposed to have some real fancy striking and stuff. That's what I recall about him. But I'll probably lean towards Diakasi in this uh, particular bout. Uh, also on the main card, we've got female flyweights. Ariane Lipsky takes on Luana Carolina. I'm not very familiar with Carolina, but I know Lipsky lost to Molly McCann. Uh, and then the aforementioned, uh, well, rounding out the main card, uh, the aforementioned Ale- uh, Alexandre Pantoja uh, number four in the world takes on number seven, Askar Askarov, 
who is undefeated. And I would imagine if what if uh, you know Pantoja doesn't get into this title fight for some reason this weekend, the winner of this fight, I would assume it will be uh, next in line. What about, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good call. Uh, Askarov, you know, he's eleven and zero. This is going to be a, a big step up for him, I think. <clears throat> Pantoja is is crafty on the feet, man, and he's fun to watch. Um, and uh, Askarov, I, I think, is going to have his hands full. I feel like Pantoja is going to going to take this one, but um, but uh, I think it's going to be a, a tough fight for both guys. Um, but I'm Really looking forward to the Casey and Physio fight. I think that's going to be um, back and forth, uh, a technical, super technical fight. I think the Casey's going to be um, doing everything he can to try to get it to the ground, um, but he can stand and strike too. And um, you know, so it. Well, I think we'll. I think we'll find out if, if uh, Fiziev has has how his takedown defense is, because um, I, I think that if if he if he can't get, um, you know get to the cage and, and, you know, get his, get his hips down low enough. He, he might be taking a ride. Undercard. Once again, very international. Um, I'm just going to run through all these here and you let me know if anything uh, stands out. Uh, we've got the feature prelim Roman Dalidze versus Kadis Ibragimov, uh, light heavyweight. Um, the fight that I'm most looking forward to on this prelim, uh, Grant Dawson taking on Nad Niramani. I think that's a pretty, pretty damn good little fight. That could be on the main card, I would think. Uh, Joe, uh, Joseph Duffy takes on uh, Joel Alvarez at lightweight. We've got a couple of uh, prospects here. Brett Johns taking on Montel Jackson at bantamweight. Flyweights, Malcolm Gordon versus Amir Albazi. Not familiar with those guys. Really, I need to look into them a little bit more. Uh, Davi Hamos, uh, decorated grappling phenom, takes on Arman Sarukian at lightweight. And the curtain jerker for the night is Carlos Felipe taking on Sergey Spivak and heavyweight action and uh you know i don't have a lot to add on this man to tell you the truth this is gonna be one of those undercards where you know i'm just gonna sit back and and just kind of see if any of these if i if any of these guys make me their fan because i just don't know so many of them i'm gonna be interested to see what they can do yeah it's hard to have um it's it's gonna be hard for me to play too much uh, on the other on the undercard just because i like you say you know uh there's just too many unknowns. I think, uh, I think there's a, a couple of fights that I, I'm definitely interested in, um, is, uh, Dami, Hamos and, and, uh, Terch, whatever his name is. Terch, Terch, whatever. Sarukian. And, uh, yeah, Sarukian. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I think Brett Johns and, and Montel Jackson is going to be a hell of a fight too. Um, and so see if, the, if Joe Duffy is, uh, is still, a, a you know, a relevant, He's sixteen and four, you know, but uh since he got to the UFC he really hasn't hasn't done anything. Um that's the guy that beat Connor back in the day, you know, that's kind of how he got to the UFC, but um he didn't really uh did he didn't he didn't live up to the expectations, I don't think, but um he think he's got a pretty tough opponent and uh, we'll see see how that one goes. And that is going down this Saturday night. It is uh, about, let's see, event number three of four. 
from Fight Island. Uh, and we will uh, we'll recap both the event that goes down tonight, Wednesday night and Saturday night, on next week's show. Uh, as we get a little bit of a lull here while we wait for uh, Valor Talk to come back around, uh, we will be on the shelf for a Valor show till early September. So uh, we'll make do in the meantime. One thing, a uh, local note, Justin, before we go, uh, do you see Hot Sauce has his next opponent? He's been asking for a ranked opponent, and he's got one, a Benil Darouche. Um, you know, I believe he's 14th, maybe, uh, in the rankings. I know Scott's been calling for a ranked opponent, and uh, it's a great opportunity for him to jump into the rankings, but it's not going to come easy against Arush, who's a you know, heavy-handed black belt. Uh, that is going down August the 8th. Yeah, yeah. He's going to – that's probably the, the hardest fight you could get, you know, <laughs> at the low top. If, you know, I got right. it somewhere between 12 and 15. Like, can we don't get Alex Randy? Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that, that was that's a rough one, man. But I think it's gonna be a hell of a fight. Both those guys are durable, and uh, you know they come to fight. It's gonna it's gonna be a banger, I'm sure. All right. Well, we appreciate you guys for sitting in with us for this week's Valor Hour. Make sure you find us on social media on Facebook. It's the Valor Hour podcast. Give us a like there, and we put the link up every week where you can uh, you know, check out the podcast. Otherwise, you can find us uh, on all of your uh, typical prod, uh, podcast avenues, uh, You know, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, and, uh, uh, of course, Spotify as well. Until uh, next week, uh, for my co-host, Justin Watson, I am Tim Moy signing off. Peace. This is a sitting ringside with David Penzer quick fix on Radio Influence. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please welcome my guest at this time. She is a five-time knockout champion. She is Madison Rain. Talk about winning the knockouts championship for the first time. Oh, I was such a, like, such a nerd that day um, because I had no idea until that day. I had no clue. There was not a conversation had with me. Like, so when we got into the part of the day where we started discussing the details of the match, I was just like, what? <laughs> um, so I didn't, my parents didn't know. Um how important it was that night to tune in and watch the pay-per-view. Um, but I didn't have to coax them because they were already like, they were on board. You know, that's, that's my dad and I, I grew up with my dad and I getting all of the WWF and WCW pay-per-views. Like that was our thing. So I didn't have to coax them much, but I just, I did make sure that, uh, that, my parents, both of my brothers, um, my wrestling trainer, um, uh, that everybody was watching. Um, and it was really cool, like to come back, you know, because right after, um, all of the girls that were in the match, you know, talk to each other and check on each other. And then I had, I think there were a few things I had to film. So by the time I got back to my phone, it was just like text message, email, voicemail, voicemail, missed call, text message. So it was, it, that was cool. Sitting Ringside with David Penzer can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.